Hello there ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of Cookie Cast. Today on Cookie Cast it's the football podcast. We're talking football, but with a twist. That's right, there's an international break coming up, so that means no local football, more regional football. I think that's probably the way to say it. Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Drop any reviews you want to drop. You can leave five-star reviews, Spotify and Apple, I believe. Um, Yeah, so please leave reviews. Um, Right, let's get talking some football. So here we go. This is CookieCast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. Well, the lady, she does not lie, ladies and gentlemen. It is that unmistakable sound. And it is us back in your ear and eye holes to bring you football-based chatter and nonsense for yet another week. I don't do it alone. I do it, of course, with these three lovely gentlemen that if you're watching us on YouTube, you see right before you. Uh, and those three people are the leader of the podcast network, Mr. Andrew Cook. How are you this week, sir? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. Uh, our Nottingham Forest anchor, or arm, or limb, as it were, of the podcast, Mr. Matthew Moore, how are you, sir? I'm good, hello. And uh, last, but by certainly no means least, he's uh, another vital cog in the uh, in the engine that is the podcast, it is the uh, whole zone, Mr. Stuart Woodmancy. Uh, how are you, sir? You were saying before we started recording that you're feeling a little under the weather, which seems to be one of our tasks per week that we record, it seems to be. Yeah, this this week's it's not been great, but other than that, uh, I'll be fine. There you go, bringing the, uh, bringing the dad jokes in almost as, as great a quantity as his knowledge of Hull City. We dive in to last week's games and uh, we start with a Friday night fixture that took place in the Premier League where Nottingham Forest took on Newcastle United. Now, obviously, in last week's show, Mr Moore was hoping for a positive result on this one due to his uh, particular location. Did he get what he was after, Mr Moore? No. No, no, I didn't. (laughs) Um, Stupidly, I dug out the old Amazon Fire Stick. Other Fire Sticks are available, I think, maybe. Uh, uh, but uh, to what to get it on uh, now TV to watch to, to watch the game? Uh, I kind of wish I hadn't bothered to be honest. Um, I think I think like when I was messaging you guys, I think it just was a game full of whinging and chucking yourself on the floor, and like it made me laugh because when you it's always good to kind of read what the players have said afterwards, and obviously the Newcastle players are going, oh yeah, they chuck themselves on the floor all the time. And the Forest players are going. Well, yeah, they chucked themselves on the floor all the time. We're like, yeah, let's just all agree that we all chucked, each, chucked ourselves on the floor all the time. And then we had a good old whinge about it. I've never seen so much. And 
your listeners of the podcast can go back probably about 12 months and listen to me say this exact same thing about Forest before. I hate the way they hound the ref. I hate the way they got hunting packs. I hate the way they go after him. You know, like my dad was up, so he watched it with me. And he's just like, is that what they do all the time? Is that what, is, you know, give, is that what Gibbs White and Johnson do all the time? They come from nowhere, like a couple of like little yappy chihuahuas biting at the ref's ankles, just bitching and moaning. And it was it was a whole lot of that. Um, I think, it, kind of, that aside, I think it's one of those games where you think, due to, probably due to my dislike of Newcastle, you kind of forget how how high they are up in the table. And they are fifth. So it's kind of one of them ones where you thought, and they had been on a bit of a bad run, obviously won the week before. You think, all right, we might get something here. Um, and then the game started, and you think, oh no, they're actually a decent side. Um, particularly going forward, they're a decent side. Uh, and then kind of hit the bar, hit the post, lots of good saves. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Dan uh, Botman uh, gave the ball away, and Emmanuel Dennis magically scored to kind of all of a sudden become a good footballer for Forest. Considering he spent six months being terrible, uh, but yeah, he seems to have turned it around. He had a really good game, um, and just as you thought, Forrest might hold out to half time and kind of get into the uh, get into the uh, dressing rooms and come up with a plan on how to either cling on to the one 0 lead or build on that. Um, the yeah, defending went to absolute pot. I don't know how many players were over on the right hand side. Uh, of the pitch, but somehow Newcastle managed to get the ball out. Um, not for the first time of the evening, and not for the last time of the evening. Serge Aurier got completely was completely out of position, uh, which left to Isaac scoring what he claimed he meant a right old good old shinner of a of a finish into the far corner. Um, so one all at half time. Um, thought the second half might might be a bit more kind of Forest might come out a bit more kind of fluid and thingy, but not really. Um, Newcastle had a disallowed goal for I, 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 I couldn't quite work it. I mean, obviously Matty Longstaff was offside, but because Forest hadn't actively tried to kick the ball against him. He was then offside because they just kicked him against, kicked it against him by accident. I was like, okay, so he's offside. But oh yeah, Serge Aurier was out of position for that goal. Um, and and um, so then, yeah, um, kind of it looked like the game was going to peter out into a draw. And then, yeah, across into the box, uh, near Kate went up for a header with somebody else. And I couldn't quite. I, it, I don't. I, I don't know whether he put his arm up there or whether it kind of got nudged up there by the Newcastle player going up for a header. I don't know. Whether it was just a kind of combination of the two. I think his his arm was kind of up there already to challenge, and whether his whether his hand got kind of pushed by the player upwards. But either way, handball penalty. Some you know chicanery with. Trippier kind of holding on to the ball to confuse everybody, but then apparently Isaac said, Isaac said in the Sky interview, yeah, Navas knew I was taking the penalty, he was 
chatting a whole lot of shit at me over the top of Trippier anyway. So, um, so yeah, but either way, sends Navas the wrong way, uh, 2-1. And, you know, it's one of them ones where you kind of, yeah, decent, all right, all right performance for Forrest, a little less of the kind of falling over, please. But, again, losing to a team that's in the top five, possibly pushing for Champions League, is it that bad of a loss? On the results that followed at the weekend would say yes, but actually, will we realistically going to beat Newcastle anyway? So yeah, two two nil two one loss. Yeah, one of those ones where, I mean, if you look at it before the game, you probably say, well, the, the nine times out of ten they're probably going to lose the game. It's the manner in which they lose that obviously sort of like takes the sort of with the sort of the kick in the bollocks and stuff like that, obviously. Um, I know you're saying with the, the penalties. And I think for me, I don't know if it was a case of he did that jump where you sort of try and use your arms to sort of get up and then they've sort of swung round on the sort of upswing and he's just, he's got, I don't want to say unlucky with the fact that he's just in that part of the rotation when the ball hits it, but he kind of, he kind of just needs to learn that he just, you can't sort of jump like that in the in the sort of the Premier League because if it happens, you're going to get punished with it and stuff like that. Um, but like you say, a, a loss at home against a, a top five contender or a top six contender at least, probably on paper not a great, not not something to be ashamed of and stuff like that. But manner of the defeat. Having like having watched the game though, like. I, it, it, it was just momentary lapses. Like, it's surely Cooper's got to have had a conversation with him about sticking it through the whistle because it was the, pretty much the last kick before half time that got Newcastle level. And then it was like an absolute lapse in concentration in injury time, which cost them, like, you know, a, a point in the end. Because, like you said, Paul, like jumping like that in the area, you can't, you, you can't be doing that. It's the usual thing that you get with kind of teams that play that way. Though. It's like they let the pressure build, let the pressure build, let the pressure build, and then you kind of hopefully you get a release. But then ultimately, sometimes the release is into your net. And I think that's the problem with Forest is that it's like you see that they've conceded, what, I think it's like 10 goals in the last 10 minutes. And some of those will be where they're getting absolutely stuffed and they're trying to win the game. But some of these games will be like the one that they conceded this week and you can't the distance between the midfield and the attackers was massive it was just it was they just weren't getting out because they had the forwards and there was just not like the ball was coming in they were winning it you know and I I thought some of the criticism on Sky of of the defenders was a bit harsh because I thought I thought on the whole Aurier apart I thought he had an absolutely shocking game Um, did anybody realise that um, they, I thought they did all right, but the the ball was just constantly coming at them because there was nobody there to kind of take the ball down and and hold on to it for a bit. It was just and, and Shelby is shocking. I, I, I knew I, I knew there was something else I had in my head that I needed to say. He is terrible. How he's walked straight into the team and has not been dropped yet when other players have been dropped. He is terrible. He just doesn't look. I mean, I know he hasn't played in a while, and I know he's been injured, but he just looks 
way off the pace of the game. Just like it seems to bypass him through good chunks of the game. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know if with him, I mean, there's always that argument that if you play a guy against his own team, you get that sort of immediate bounce where, you know, they've kind of got a bit of a chip on their shoulder and they kind of want to do, like, they want to, they want to perform well to show the, the guy who sold him that, you know, he's made a bit of a bit, bit, bit of a boob letting him go. So, yeah. that, so I can understand that. But, like you said, if he's played in the previous sort of three, four games since they signed him and he's not exactly been pulling on trees, why has he sort of, like, kept his place and stuff like that? But... We could we could keep we could keep going for ages on that one, but we'll we'll dive into what, what our predictions were. So, who wants to guess what Mister Cook's prediction was? Two nil. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Two nil. It was an optimistic. It was an optimistic two nil home win. So sadly, Mister Cook gets zero points. Um, he was um, as as uh, Mister Moore dictated into our uh, chat group. He was. Coopered by uh, the talk that uh, Brendan Johnson may not start the game and changed his scorers accordingly. Uh, so went for Surridge and Gibbs White instead of Johnson, and uh, of course, Bre- Brendan Johnson started the game. Uh, so sadly, no points for Mr. Cook there. But, uh, but obviously, I get a point for getting screwed out of. Yeah, that's we're doing that this season. I it, it, he didn't score, so you're all right. So it wouldn't have counted anyway. It, it, I mean, yeah, that's true. Uh, also, the, uh, the the points written in the book here appear to say zero. <laughs> so I'll I'll have to put in the grievance with um, with the HR department. But they'll be back to you within uh, you know ninety days. Um, myself and Stu had both gone for one-one draws, so sadly no points there. Stuart gone for Gibbs White and Longstaff to score the goals. I can feel somewhat aggrieved in that I'd picked Dennis and Isak to score the goals, so I was mere minutes away from a perfect scoreline with score and scorers. However, busting in with the correct score as some sort of a silver lining to the particularly dark cloud that was over his... Uh, his good team, with a 2-1 away win prediction, was Mr Moore. Sadly, that is the end of his points, as he had Gibbs White, Scott Forrest, Almiron and Willer to score for Newcastle. So, after the first game of the week, uh, Stu and Andy still get to score, myself and Matt, two points apiece. Our second game took us from Nottingham against the North East side, to the northeast itself, with my boys Middlesbrough taking on Preston North End, um, and within 20, 25 minutes of the opening uh, of the opening kickoff, this one was—I don't want to say done and dusted uh, in any way, shape, or form—but it was—you um, you could see the writing was on the wall, so to speak. As after twenty-two minutes, a little bit of interplay, one, one, uh, one. Uh, one-two pass and move uh, on the edge of the box with uh, Cameron Archer and you-know-who for his 24th of the season in the league. Tuba opens the scoring on the 22nd minute and 
from there onwards, it was a bit of a procession for the Borough. Um, they got the second uh, into the second half with Cameron Archer's first at the Riverside. We did cover on the podcast last week that he was probably nailed on for a goal as he had a load felt at Preston last season. Um, this one was a lovely, a lovely driving run from Archer. He managed to get into the box, stick a Preston player down on his ass, cut back past one of them, and then just smashed it past the keeper for two 0 um, The third was uh, a lovely bit of uh, interplay by uh, Ackman Archer in Archer's favour this time. Um, Ackman just lays the ball back to him on the edge of the box, uh, and Archer slammed it home for three 0 Preston then made it uh, a little bit. A little bit more t- uh, tricky for themselves to get back into the game. I mean, it was the 88th minute. Um, but Bambo Diaby uh, thought it was a really good idea to uh, completely miss time um, going for the ball and then letting Tuba run through clean on goal. And then just as he was about to pull the trigger, decided the best way to, do, uh, to get to him was to not tackle him, was just to push him in the back on the edge of the box. So sensible. Guess it's all... A red card for that. Uh, the scoring wasn't over there, though, as uh, Ryan Giles broke down the left-hand side in the 95th minute, cutting the ball across for Marcus Fors to complete the scoring for a very emphatic 4-0 home win for the Bre. Predictions-wise, Mr. Moore had gone for a 1-1 draw. Cannon to score for Preston and Akpom to score for the Borough. So he does get himself a bonus point for the scorer there. The other three of us had all gone for, uh, for Middlesbrough wins, so we each get a point there. Andy 2-1 and myself and Stu were uh, all on board with the favourite Middlesbrough scoreline at the moment of 3-1. Obviously, there were four goals in the game. We just gave one of them to the wrong side. Sadly. Andy's 2-0 was Fours and Archer to score, so he bags himself three points there. Um, my 3-1 was Akpom, Archer and McGree to score for Borough, Cannon to score for Preston, so just two bonus points there for me to go with my point for the correct result. Stu had Akpom and Archer to score twice with Brady to score for Preston, so bags himself three bonus points to go along with his result point. So, after two games, I was on five points, Stu on four points, Stu and Matt, uh, sorry, Stu on four points, Matt and Andy both on three points after the two games. Our third and final game of the week took us to Reading, where some of us may have spent three quality years of their life getting a degree that they definitely use to this day. And Reading took on Hull City. How did this one pan out, Mr. Woodmansey? Well, um, Hull were fairly dominant in the early going. Uh, they managed to capitalise on a slick 1-2 that was started and finished by Regan Slater uh, in the 26th minute. So Hull took the lead. Good finish into the bottom right-hand corner. Um Shortly after that, not too long after that, should have probably had a penalty for handball in the area. Uh, the referee didn't give it, but it was blatant. Like it was more blatant than the Forest one that we discussed earlier, for sure, because it it wasn't like 
he's gone with momentum or anything. It was just a case of a cross came in from the right-hand side and he just stuck his arm out, but the ref didn't give it. Uh, compound that with then, on 44 minutes, Andy Carroll equalises after pushing two defenders into each other. Uh, it probably would have been soft had he given it as a foul because they definitely needed to be stronger. But again, another one of our teams this week uh, paying the price for not concentrating all the way till the uh, to the whistle. It finished 1-1. There was no goals in the second half, despite the fact that the City were knocking on the door for most of it. It's a bit, in truth, a bit of a disappointing result um, on the basis that Reading have been floundering. City, I think really pretty much now the season's already done. Uh, they're, they're too far away from the playoffs at this point. They're not too far away from relegation, but they should be should be uh, safe enough. Uh, the difficulty for me with this game was the refereeing, and it wasn't the only one. So at full time, Liam Rossini went and gave the referee all of his thoughts at once, and. Liam Rossini himself got a yellow card after the final whistle. But it turns out that the referee was also the referee for the Hull-Reading game earlier in the in the season, which was um, Rossini's first game in charge. And there were some dubious decisions in that game as well. So it seemed to be a bit of a... sort of trying to even up a bit of a vendetta, I think. <laughs> Uh, by him going and having a lot off at the referee, but um, unfortunately, we all know how that ends. The referees will never be wrong because then there goes the integrity of the game. So, Rossini will be paying that fine and probably sulking about it every time that referee now gets assigned. Uh, there was some disappointing news in the presser afterwards as well. Um, so, we mentioned last time out that Tete was, was injured, it's been confirmed that his hamstring is, is done for a while, so that's probably him out for the season. So Tete is out for the rest of the season. Um, and as is Cyrus Christie, unfortunately, he's, he'll be a bigger miss because he's, he's had a good impact on the starting eleven. Um, but he needs a bit of a, a small, they assured, small operation on his knee. So no more Tete, no more Christie, but one more point on the board. So it could have been worse, I guess. Absolutely, Christie was, was Christie signed? Was he signed on a like a short term deal? Or was he a loan signing? Uh, I cannot. I thought it was. I thought it was permanent to be honest. But I, um, See, he, I can't. Yeah, I can't remember if I think I don't know if he was un, like unattached and then he's come in on like a like end until the end of the season deal, or if he was given like a sort of a year's contract or something like that. But either way. He, He's definitely done it, even if it is a short-term deal. Um, in the games that he's played, he's definitely done enough to warrant staying. Um, I would, I would be surprised if if they didn't, you know, if uh, where are we? let me have a look. So it was a, it was a free transfer. Um, doesn't specify on something, which is typical. Whilst, whilst Stu's finding that information out, I've had a look at the table and um, 
pulled very uh, much. He signed, he signed on a two-year deal, Paul, so he's, oh. he's going to be sticking around. So at least it's not a case of he's injured, he's out for the rest of the season. He's now got sort of like a task on his hands to sort of prove he's worth his contract. He's under contract. Um, yeah, Hull very much the epitome of sort of don't know whether to stick or twist, really. Them, Stoke and Bristol City, all in the same boat of 48 or 47 points to find themselves 12 points off the playoffs and 11 points off relegation. So, pretty much season over uh, as they're not really going to be going up or down. It's just a case of can they finish as high as possible to get a little bit more money in the coffers. Um... Yeah, I, uh, I actually watched the highlights of this one and uh, I was very impressed with the Slate's finish. I thought he had a lovely little half, he got the ball on a lovely little half turn in the centre of the pitch and then laid the ball off and then like, obviously just had the wherewithal to sort of follow it through for the um, for the return pass to finish off. But it was quite a nice look. Um, from a predictions perspective, um, myself... Matt and Andy had all gone for optimistic away wins on this one. Um, myself and Andy had gone 2-1 Hull. Matt had gone 1-0 Hull. Um, sadly, neither myself nor Matt got a goal scorer in any of that, so we get bagels for this particular game. Mr Cook, however, with an Andy Carroll prediction for a goal, bags himself a bonus point there for a goal scorer. Mr. Woodman, see ever the optimist on this one, had gone for the nil-nil scoreline, so gets himself one point for the correct result. So, for the week, Mr. Moore, three points from three games. Very respectable, very respectable indeed. Mr. Cook, four points from three games. Even more respectable. Tied on five points apiece from three games. This is myself and Mr. Woodman, see. An awful lot of, um, as the Americans would term it, sister kissing at the moment going on in the predictions of the podcast. Um, so, we do find ourselves in the uh, unfortunate position where we're in an international break. And this one hasn't happened for a while. It was, uh, what, November to December the last time we had one of these? So, yeah, it's uh, no... Uh, no Borough, Hull or Forest games to predict. So we'll uh, punish ourselves by uh, trying to predict the England scores for the uh, the two games that are going to be taking place. These are not Nations League fixtures. These actually mean something. I know the Nations League te- technically means something towards rankings and stuff like that, but this is currently the start of the Euro 2024. No. Yeah, Euro 2024. Was it World Cup? No, we're in the wrong cycle. Euro 2024 qualification game. So England's next two matches will be qualifiers for Euro uh, Euro 2024 to be uh, be taking place in Germany. The first game sees Italy versus England in a repeat of the Nations League fixtures from last summer, uh, or possibly the summer before last, sorry. And uh, a repeat of the uh, Euro 2020 or 2021 final. Um, now, obviously, England is all of our teams. So, technically, no one has to go first or last. Go on, Mark. 
also had, is it, I, I would have said Chiesa, but I'm guessing it's Chiesa that Matt said. And Raspberry Rip, I mean, sorry, Raspadori. Now, I believe Raspadori paid off for uh, at least one of you last time in, in England played Italy, so I can understand why he's been in there. The uh, second and final game of the international break sees England back at Wembley taking on the Ukraine. Uh, let's let's go over to Mr Cook for this one and see if we can get that pattern that we discussed earlier. So, I had a little bit of a problem with this one. However, I rectified it quite quickly by just putting 2-0 to England now. Now, I know what you're going to say. There's no chance that Kane's going to play in this game because he'll have played in the other game and then you don't need him in this game. So there's absolutely no point in playing down for a goal. So stick him down for a goal. And uh, I, I had to weed my way through the this guy's not playing and this guy's not playing and this guy's not playing and I ended up with Tony for the other goal. So, all I would say is that if this was a Nations League fixture or a friendly fixture, which don't seem to exist anymore, I would say, you're probably right, Kane might not start, but as it's a, uh, as it's a qualifier, and, and these are two of the, basically the, the two most tricky opponents in the qualifying group, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to bailey this one and say there is absolutely no way that Kane does not start both of these games. Then I definitely intended to pick that 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 way. Absolutely, uh, Mr. Moore. What you got for us? I'm going for a two-one England win. Like it. Goal scorers: uh, Bellingham and Saka. Ooh, Saka! I didn't think about it. Nice, Stu. Oh, you haven't done a Ukrainian score yet. I do, I do apologise, sir. I just yeah. couldn't be done. Just because you didn't want to have to write it out and have a good go at the spell. Uh, <laughs> it. Does it have at least one V in there somewhere? And nope. uh, maybe a Z or an I or something like that? Definitely got a K in, because we've all got a K in. Uh, uh, I've gone for Mud- Mudrik. Mudrik? Are you sure he's uh, going to be able to play with all the uh, splinters that he's having to pick out of his ass? <laughs> Counting his money. Well, yeah, it was that. Shoot. Um, I have gone for England three, Ukraine one, yeah. and also have Saka and Bellingham on the sheet. But then also add Harry Kane to that, so that's three different goal scorers for England. And I really struggled to find any squad news for the uh, for for the Ukraine side. Um, so I'm hoping that Yaremchuk still plays. What? What? Yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely not Googled that guy. I I know how to spell that guy's name. It won't be the worst thing on your uh, search history, Paul. Come on. Um, yeah. I had I, the, the the only thing I could find, and it was I was like. Mm, the obvious thing to do would be to pick a striker, so I'm pretty sure it's in midfield. Um, but it was uh, Y-A-R-E-M-C-H-U-K. Maybe he doesn't play. Maybe I just found a random name that sounded... I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. 
Yarem Chuck. Excellent. So, just me to finish us off then. Must phrase that better. Um, <laughs> I have gone for a 2-0 England win with Kane and Tony to score the goals. Where might we have heard that prediction before? <laughs> uh, we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Short and sweet this week, as there's no uh, no domestic football to uh, to go through. Um, oh, the one thing I did want to bring up um, was how ridiculously tight 11th to 20th position in the Premier Division is, as in there are nine teams separated by four points. So, the, yeah. uh, I dare say the relegation saga will go to, if not the final day, the final, the final few weeks of the season. I think this, this is one of the things we, that I was talking about with my dad this weekend, was that uh, you know, if they haven't realised, then God knows what's going on. If, if you haven't realised, then maybe you've just employed Roy Hodgson as your manager. Uh, but, uh, <coughs> you know, Forrest don't pick up points away from home. So any team that they play around them at Forest, just come and park the bus because you're taking points from us that we're not going to pick up anywhere else. We're not going to pick up points away from home. It's it's going to be it's going to be really difficult team to see if Forest stay up because yeah, there's going to be a lot of buses parked at various goals. At, at Forest for the next few weeks because I don't think I think everyone's going to go well alright then you think that you can pick up 12 points at home that will keep you up well then you're not going to pick them up against us so like Southampton play at Forest I think Wolves will play at Forest you know you just get, they're going to turn up and go alright go and get the points on the road which you're definitely not going to get so it's insane um, but yeah it's, it's, it's that thing in it well obviously I don't know the exact fixtures they've got left, but I think that they are they one of the teams that's got eleven games left, and they've got ten. I'll double check, but there's basically everyone in the bottom half has either played twenty seven or twenty eight. There's the one, there's, I think it's West Ham, have played twenty six. Uh, but Forest everyone else, Forest have got eleven. Then I think I think they're yes, Forest have got eleven games left. Palace, Wolves, Everton, and Southampton have all got ten. So you'd say that Southampton are probably the team that's in the most peril. But even then, if results go their way, one win gets them out of the relegation zone. So it's uh, it's definitely going to be all to play for. Um, it's the fact that it's the fact that teams go like. So I looked at obviously Forest lost against Newcastle, and then you look at who everybody else has played the next day, and you think, ah, be all right. That's not going to cause us any bother. We'll probably be status quo at the end of the weekend. And then the Spuds go and give away a goal right at the last at last minute to draw three or you know somebody else does you know Chelsea give away a goal right near the end like just giving you know just ridiculous results like that so yeah yeah I think the, the worrying thing from a Forest perspective as well is the fact that yeah they're all they're, they're, as it stands at the moment they're Dory sitting sixteenth a minus twenty seven goal difference in one of one you want to see so. They kind of need to like they get they need to get the points on the board as quickly as possible because that's almost like a point against them. Yeah. Sort of a, yeah. A, the, a, the, a, I think the only four. Situation, but. 
There's only Bournemouth who've got a worse. Yeah. A worse goal difference. There's not much they can do about it now because the goal difference is what ten more than everybody else. So. Yeah, pretty much. Um, like like we said, there's going to be a lot more twists and turns between now and the end of the season. So you just have to watch your space. I don't even know if necessarily Palace are going to be the last ones to have the itchy trigger finger. You look at someone like well, you look at you look at a team like Leicester. You look at a team like West Ham, and they're just going to panic and try and bring someone in the sort of stopgap between now and the end of the season if they think they're in danger of going down, which they very much are. So. They're quite funny because they just about managed to. They go through a bad run and you think, oh, they're going to get sacked here, and then they manage to pull a result out their arse. So, like, Forrest, Forrest letting West Ham beat them 4 0 to keep Moyes in his job. Perfect. <laughs> let him carry on like that. Yeah, it's, it, it's going to be. Because I think the fact that you, what doesn't register is, is the fact that obviously the, the season goes on right through to the end of May, whereas normally we're done and dusted. You know, we're probably at this point we're like, oh yeah, we're probably about six weeks from the end of the season where really we're quite a way off. Um, so yeah, there's the potential for Leicester to sack a manager, West Ham. I mean, who knows if Forest keep on going on the form they're in at the moment? Stranger things have happened. Uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? And then someone's top striker might get themselves sent off for shoving the referee for giving the right decision. I think the less about that better. Um, <laughs> but yes, day over there, gentlemen. Another week in the books. Sorted you out with your football fix, as it were. Kept you, we've whetted your appetite for another week. Join us again next week where we'll break down the uh, the England performances, if indeed they have performances, and we'll look forward to the next round of fixtures from a Borough, Hull and Nottingham Forest perspective. Thank you as always to these three wonderful gentlemen for joining me to discuss our sometimes infuriating football teams. Well, thank you to you tuning in listening to us just waffle on come back again next week and we'll do it all again for you but until then bye for now see you later so there you go watch since that football but with a twist big thank you for watching listening or just being a part of the football podcast experience you can continue your experience with us by clicking the like button Sharing the podcast with friends, family, and other people you meet in the street. And, uh, yeah, drop reviews. Leave reviews where you can. Big help to the podcast. We really appreciate it. You can also check out our website. It's thecookiecast.com. There we've got social media links and an email button so that you can get in touch with us. That's it for this one. Until next time, I'm going to say bye, and I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to these grumpy old men talk about football. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share and subscribe.